Pretty funny. There we go. Uh, Doug Ford laying out the liberal record, and it did get a few laughs. And it's true. We're in massive amounts of debt in this province, and two of the leaders running plan to spend billions more. But of course, as you're starting to see, the theme of this campaign is all about what Doug Ford will cut. And apparently he's going to cut everything. Every job in the province, he'll cut corners, he'll cut your hair, he'll hack everything apart. Now, look, it's fair to ask him, how are you going to deliver these promises? What few we've heard. But on the other side, we've got Wynn and Horvath throwing out numbers that, frankly, I don't even know where they're coming from. I don't know where these numbers are coming from other than fantasy land. And yet, despite their promise of massive spending, everyone seems to kind of shrug their shoulders. Why? Let's bring in Eric Woodrick, who asked this very question. He is, of course, with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Hey there, Aaron. Hey, Alex. I thought you summed it up well. It was in your tweet this morning when you, you brought, you know, this issue forward. And I've been thinking the same thing myself is why is only one side being challenged? I mean, I, I do believe Ford has to explain his spending, but you got to do it on the other side, too. No, absolutely. Look, if someone is going to promise to balance a budget when we're spending a lot more than we're taking in, it's fair to ask them how they're going to do that. And that's what, uh, you know, Kathleen Wynne and Andrew Horvath and a lot of the press are asking Doug Ford. And he does have to explain that. I think that's reasonable. The flip side, though, is it's a little bit strange to me that you've got the Liberals and the NDP who explicitly say our numbers don't add up. And by, by that, I mean, they say we're going to run a big deficit. You know, we're going to spend uh, you know, $200 billion and we only have $180 billion. That's $20 billion you can't account for. And yet the fact that you just say, oh, we're going to run a deficit, people stop right there. They say, oh, well, you're just going to run a deficit. But that means something. That means we have to pay it later. That means it's coming out of spending later. Um, And so I think that needs to be part of the conversation. It's very frustrating to me that people are so zeroed in only on Doug Ford making the numbers add up, and they're really letting the other two off of the hook. Right. But, you know, there have been a lot of conversations about deficits, and a lot of people don't care. But what are the repercussions if, in fact... Um, you know, let's say Andrea Horvath ends up winning. I mean, her platform is billions and billions. It's nonstop spending, including buying back hydro and then lowering hydro bills without government money. I don't know how she's planning on doing it. She could not provide the data when she was asked. And yet she's not been challenged. Um, what would happen if, you know, she gets into power? Would she just load on the debt, you know, and build up the deficits? I mean, what is the consequence to continuing with the deficits when there's not really been no penalty so far? Yeah, well, look, you're right in, in one sense that a lot of people don't see it, but there is a penalty. There's already a penalty, and the penalty is a billion dollars a month. That is what we are paying right now, Alex. We spend $1 billion every month just on interest on money we've borrowed. That's not going into schools. It's not going into hospitals. It's not going into roads. It is going to pay interest because we've already spent the money. And I think this is the thing people need to wrap their heads around. If you value public services, if you care about your health care and your schools, you should support a balanced budget because every dollar we spend that we don't have is money that is coming out of tomorrow's schools and tomorrow's hospitals. And so I think, you know, we can debate what kind of services we want, but we really need to make sure we have the money to pay for the ones that we're consuming today. Yeah, the unfortunate, uh, you know, I I kind of look at it and people say, well, what's the issue for you? And I keep saying, look, I'm not going to leave this to my kid and his generation to pay because my fear is that there won't be medical services. Everything will be pay per use and education, like you said, Uh, you know, 
know, they'll look at us and say, what the hell were you thinking? Um, so that's my reason for wanting to rein in, in the spending. But I'm not sure it's tangible enough for people to actually understand, because while they can identify with a $16 orange juice and be outraged that a politician would spend $16, people don't seem concerned about billions. They can't get their head around it. No, you're right. And I think it's important then to use an analogy, sort of like the one you had mentioned. If you're talking about parents and children, you know, most parents want to leave their kids uh, an inheritance, right? We want to save some money. And when we pass on, give it to our kids. I think we would all be pretty upset if we found out when our parents passed on that they ran up a whole bunch of debts and stuck us with the bill. And that is essentially what this government is doing. They are running up debts for our kids and grandkids, and they are sticking them with the bill. And I think if you look at it that way, it is an outrage that they treat this as if it's some number in the sky, but they are actually taking tomorrow's health care and tomorrow's education away from people by spending too much money today. Yeah, don't don't go too near the death uh, topic because I don't want you giving them any ideas about, you know, putting in a death <laughs> tax because honestly, that, that'll be it for me. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. So, so what is the scenario then if we don't actually start reining in uh, and getting these deficits into control and, and bringing down the debt? How much longer can Ontario go like this until we actually start to really, you know, really actually see some of the consequences? Because we have been very lucky with low interest rates for so many years. Yeah, it depends on a number of things. It depends if interest rates rise. Obviously, the more you uh, borrow, the more you have to pay. Um, and, you know, the reality is it means one of two things. It means big tax hikes down the road, pretty much across the board, or it means really big cuts. So we talked today about, you know, trimming spending here, 1% or 2%. Well, how, did, how would 20 or 30% cut sound to you. I mean, you talk about situations like we saw in Greece a few year, years ago. We're not quite there yet in Ontario. I don't want to be too alarmist, but uh, you know, it's on the horizon. If we continue on this trajectory for another decade, two decades, we could be in a situation where you have to gut 40-50% of your spending on these important things because you never took the time to get your house in order when it was easier to do it. And we know that Moody's has already given the warning that they will downgrade Ontario to a negative based on what they heard in that budget. And I suspect, and, and correct me where, where I might be going wrong, I suspect they're waiting till June 7th to see who wins and, and you know, if there's going to be a change of course. What happens if, let's say, Wynn or Horvath uh, win? Will they... How long will it be before they actually give us a negative downgrade? I don't, I don't think it would be very long. Look, uh, the, the thing about the government, especially the incumbents, is that they had previously pledged to balance the budget. And then they turned around and threw that out the window. So I think the markets and lenders are scared, saying, hold on, I thought you guys were going to be prudent now. You're throwing that out the window, out the window just to get yourself reelected. That suggests the government that is not, doesn't really have a clear plan and is really sort of making it up as it goes along. Uh, and that is very disconcerting to the markets because they want to get their money back. Sure. Now, when you hear Doug Ford talk about efficiencies, which everyone seems to laugh at, um, I'm actually just glad someone is saying the word. Just the fact that they're they're even entertaining it to me is like, okay, at least there's someone thinking uh, of finding savings. But where could he uh, find those savings without, let's say, cutting from the public sector as he's being accused of doing? Because I don't even actually know how uh, Andrew Horvath or Kathleen Wynne can pull out these numbers of he'll fire 6,000 nurses, he'll he'll be firing, you know, 40,000, given that he hasn't even put out his whole platform. I don't know where yeah, they're well, coming up with these cuts numbers. 
No, I mean, they're making assumptions. And, and it's, it is fair to say that right now, Doug Ford is, is promising to reduce, um, but he's not being specific. So I don't have a problem with people pressing him on details. I think he does need to provide those. But look, there's some low-hanging fruit here, Alex. You look at things like corporate welfare. I mean, Kathleen yeah. Wynne just gave $100 million to Toyota last week. They made $22 billion profit last year. Right. It is insane to me that we are giving tax dollars to a company that is that profitable. I, I'm a free marketer, Alex. If they want to come here and earn Canadians money, they're welcome to do that. But they should not be getting a three hundred dollars, a three hundred million dollars from taxpayers. So that's just one example. And the other thing, I would, I would go farther. I mean, I'm not the one running for office here. We do need to downsize government. Government is too big in this province. Everybody knows it. No one wants to be specific about it. But I don't think, you know, as as Mr. Ford is fond of say, is saying, and I agree with him, the idea that you can't find four cents on the dollar in savings. I, I think most Ontarians would say, "Are you kidding me? I could find a lot more than four cents if you put me in charge." Well, there's no question you can. I mean, I've been to Queens Park. I've worked at Queens Park, and I can tell you categorically. I mean, there are so many ways you can reduce waste. Um, just by even getting rid of some of the jobs through attrition. I mean, it's that easy and no one on the front lines would be uh, affected. But again, it's the third rail. You don't want to touch it, as as Tim Hudak learned the last time. I mean, he was honest and that was the big mistake. He was honest. Well, right. And look, uh, politicians are going to politician. I get it. Uh, And they may be nervous about that idea. But I think a a lot of Ontarians need to take their medicine here. We have been living beyond our means for a long time. At some point, the chickens come home to roost. I would rather... You know, frankly, I would rather do it now and have to pinch it a little bit yeah. and put it off again and again. And then it would really, really hurt when you really had to deal with it. All right. Well, look, we'll uh, bring you in uh, when we get a bit more detail because the campaign, of course, starts tomorrow. And um, I'll keep checking with you on if the numbers and what you're hearing is adding up. Thank you so much, Aaron. Thanks a lot, Alex. That is Aaron Woodrick who joins us uh, with the Canadian Taxpayer Federation. Look, they're watching this very carefully and they are putting out the warnings. Whether you want to hear them or not is another issue. But... The writing is on the wall. We do have to cut back somewhere. On point, I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News.